Welcome to the EFC Podcast. Africa, that dark continent brought to light by missionary David Livingston, stretches from the Mediterranean in the north to the mixing of the Indian and Atlantic Oceans in the south. This place soon to be 1.2 billion. Its varied cultures, peoples, religions, and economic successes mixed with disasters uh, for me is a place of exotic beauty. Barren wastelands, of course, and many peoples with a loving and inviting disposition. I visited with pastors and evangelical leaders of 33 of the 62 nations in Harare, Zimbabwe at the General Assembly of the African Evangelical Alliance. And they were called together under the theme, Living the Lordship of Christ. Stories were told of the multitude of challenges and opportunities facing the witness of Christ there in Africa today. Today, two out of ten Christians in the world reside here in Africa. In 1970, its population then 366 million, 142 million, or that's 38 percent, were Christians. Fifty years later, that's estimates for 2020, out of 1.2 billion in Africa, 50% or 630 million will confess Christian faith. Now, in 50 years, that's an explosive growth, expanding from 142 million to 630 million Christians. Now, for centuries, the African church, it was shaped by its many mission groups. Today, the African church itself is coming into its own. Its leaders are resolved that this church is a continent of their concern and their responsibility. While agencies and churches continue to send their support and target issues like evangelism, poverty, war, corruption, and the encroaching presence of Islam, the present and rising generations of leaders know this is their time to lead. While polls show decline in Christian faith in Western countries, globally, church growth is what is called the Global South, Africa, Latin America, and Asia. They offset those numbers. Demographers who previously located the center of the Christian church, that is, the center of the population density of Christian majority, that was in Europe. Now that shifted to Africa. Countries in Africa are often seen as countries in need of outside help. Today, increasingly, African leaders are forming their own responses and strategies. Speakers and across-the-table conversations there reminded me of the critical matters they face. You know, Westerners were concerned of shifting patterns in their own country, and so we should be. It matters that we understand what our Christian brothers and sisters face, though, in their lands. And Africa, given its growing population and rising Christian witness, we're better served in seeing on the macro scale what they face and in turn how we might help. Daily, we see the vicious savagery of Islamic extremists in North Africa and sub-Saharan regions. At the Kenyan University, Garrison, 147 students were cut down by bullets of terrorists from across the border in Somalia. Boko Haram, an ISIS-linked army in North Nigeria, abducted 300 young female students from a school in Chibok, selling many as wives and sex slaves. 
and there its national government seemed incapable of even doing some kind of modest rescue. Violence, it captures our attention. Describing the underlying incursion of Islam funded by its oil-rich Arab states, supplying funds for the building of mosques, and pressing populations to convert or die. While we might focus on the nuclear and the regional proxy wars of Iran, Saudi Arabia, which funds radicals in the Middle East, Africa, and Southeast Asia, one pastor noted that while the election of a new Muslim president in Nigeria will help to quell Islamic violence for a time, his opinion is simply a strategy designed first to upset the population, to elect one of that faith, but that during this presidency, officials from that faith will increase, pressing out the boundaries of their influence. The debate over whether or not we are facing cultural wars may be of interest to scholars and diplomats. But in Africa, its people are challenged by this powerful move of Islam to imprint itself with an increased presence, moving the northern boundaries of their message further south. To the south, South Africa, which is the economic engine of Africa, while working its way from under the weight of its former racist government, led them from the wilderness by Nelson Mandela, now under a democracy of free vote, its leadership seems unable to enact what will bring prosperity to a people with 26% unemployment. Poverty, the scourge of so many tribes and peoples mitigated by various government and non-government groups. Some seem to work, others not as well. Yet this land, fertile and rich, with its potential of agriculture and other natural resources, it struggles to find means of building family and youth into strong and able communities. The Brookings Group noted that in 1990, 56% lived under the poverty line of less than $1.25 per day. And in 2010, that dropped to 48%. And they predict it'll be halved in 230 to 24%. On the other hand, evangelicals see beyond issues of being just that of poverty, a lack of education, or military conflict, for example. For them, it's a spiritual matter. Christian enterprise from the West often sees issues in a more rationalistic way. For example, poverty is viewed solely as a social economic matter needing funding, training, and growing its expertise. Our diagnosis comes from analysis and applied technique. But the evangelical African church sees it differently. For them, life is lived within the confrontation of good and evil. And for them, spiritual battle is a very real issue seeing forces that work against them with an accompanying response by the Spirit, it really matters. Worship, as noted in an article by Brant Myers, is where their analysis and responses begins. Surrounded by the life and presence of the Spirit, their concern is not, as it often is with us, but as he notes, what does God want for Africa? Much like I learned in my prairie church as a boy, when Jesus came, he lifted people from the self-destructive behavior. For our community, being saved often meant deliverance from alcohol, the curse of farm life. That resolved. More resources were available for family. It reduced family violence, and in time, a social and economic rise and well-being came as family was tied together 
in parental love not broken down by the damaging behavior that alcohol so often triggered. Its future narrative will gradually unfold, wrestling with its own tribal conflicts, corrupt governments, and efforts to evangelize and build church-centered communities. Leaving the former missionary instructions to stay out of politics, increasingly evangelical leaders are entering public life, in some places enabling, and other times and other places less than successful. Even so, their sense of call is to engage all of life with their kingdom call. The African Evangelical Alliance and its national leaders are buoyant in their vision, and I see them courageous in their plans. They look for encouragement and assistance from outside the continent, yet recognizing their role is to give heart and drive to the continuing task of beginning in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to the ends of the earth. I'm Brian Stiller, and I serve as Global Ambassador for the World Evangelical Alliance. <laughs>